Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Attachment is based on fear. It's almost like I need you. I want you. I can't live without you. And that is heavily based in expectation. It's based in fear. Whereas love doesn't have any expectations. It doesn't seek something in return. It gives because it wants to. It gives because it cares. Attachments can feel like ownership. It can feel like care, but at the same time, it can feel like it's crushing you. Whereas love gives a feeling of liberation. Welcome to the Unwind Podcast, a podcast for you to relax, drift off and allow your mind to wander. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author, entrepreneur and researcher on a mission to share information that will help you live happier, healthier and with more love, optimism and wisdom. This podcast features interviews with well-known guests and world-leading experts about what it truly means to be human and what we can do to become the very best versions of ourselves. Today on The Unwind, we are speaking with someone who you may be very familiar with, the global best-selling author, Vex King. Vex King is a leading voice in the world of personal development. He is the international best-selling author of Good Vibes, Good Life, Healing is the New High, and has racked up millions upon millions of readers around the world and on social media. His new book, Closer to Love, is just spectacular. It has the ability to touch your soul as he unpacks how confusing love can be, love can feel, and yet how beautifully and wonderfully simple it can be at the same time. I read it within hours, I devoured the pages, and it left me with so much food for thought. With questions like, what drives us into relationships? Why can love be deceiving? How can attachment work against love? And what does it truly mean to do the self-work in order to improve your relationships, not only romantic ones, but family ones too? Vex is able to really speak to your soul in such a delicate way that I'm sure, like me, you might be left a little spellbound after reading this beautiful new book. And he provides such an amazing exploration of how we can all deepen into our connections. After all, when our time on earth is up, I doubt anyone says I should have worked harder. But if anything, perhaps we ask the question, should I have loved harder? But how do we love harder? Despite how painful and scary that might feel, Vex explores this and I cannot wait for you to listen to this interview and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I would love to invite you to share a passage from the book that resonates with you. Okay, so this is under the section called Letting or Let Go. No relationship is a total waste, despite how painful they may be. They teach you about what you want and what you don't want. 
They can remind you that you deserve better. And if it's painful enough, a bad relationship can be the catalyst for a journey inward. But no relationship, either with a past lover or friend or family member, is worth damaging future opportunities to connect with others or yourself. And that passage in particular I chose because before I met my wife, I went through quite a traumatic heartbreak. And I was probably at the worst period of my life, I think. And everything seemed to be going wrong. And that actually inspired me to journey inward, to start to love myself a little bit more, to assess who I am beyond the relationship, my needs, my expectations, to figure out what I bring to the table, to realise that actually the way someone treated me wasn't a reflection of me, but only maybe their incapacity to share love with me. And as I started to realise that and started to really develop a stronger sense of self-worth, I met my wife and she had also gone through the same kind of heartbreak, the same journey. And it was two individuals almost meeting after going through something that seemed really difficult to overcome. Two individuals that had committed to healing their own hearts, to returning to themselves, suddenly finding themselves at this place where they're ready, not necessarily for a relationship, and that's completely honest, I wasn't thinking of being in any other relationship apart from the relationship with myself. That's the one I really wanted to focus on. And I think she was in the same place. And when we met each other, because we were so aligned, it was just this natural flow of energy, this, this natural interaction that was taking place. And yeah, everything just felt right in that moment. So I think although relationships can be difficult, and they hurt, especially the ones where we were treated badly or potentially where we treated our partner badly. They can teach us a lot about ourselves. And really, they can create that avenue where we return home to our heart. And that's essentially the core message of the book. Although it's on love and relationships, it's actually about returning home to your own heart. Very much so. I really received that message. And when you were talking about your wife just then, it reminded me of a passage in the book that I wrote down. And it reads, an invisible red thread connects those destined to meet despite the time, the place and the circumstances, the thread that can be tightened or tangled, but will never be broken. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was just so lovely because I think there's so much fear around will I meet someone or if you're in a relationship what's going to happen in this relationship and this takes it out of all of those questions what are your thoughts on soulmates and soul groups and this idea of connections between the people who are supposed to be in our life never being broken soulmates wise I think we always or we've at least been conditioned by society to believe that we will find one particular soulmate. I actually think we can meet multiple soulmates in one lifetime. And those soulmates aren't necessarily romantic soulmates. I think it could be people that we might have been, and especially if you believe in reincarnation, there might be someone that you have an energetic tie to from a past lifetime. If you don't believe in reincarnation, that's completely fine as well. I don't think that subject or that topic is for for everyone. But I do feel like 
there's sometimes these invisible threads. I don't know if you've ever seen on the internet, but there's like pictures where people post and it would be like, I don't know, maybe a young child at Disneyland. And in the background will be their husband and they're both children. They're both unaware of each other. And as they grow up, they meet in a random country, in a random place, and they get married. And it's such a like a divine, magical experience. And I think to myself, sometimes, are we destined to meet certain people? And certainly my own life with Koshul. So my wife and I, we went to the, the same school. So in, I know it's, it's primary and secondary now, but back then it was, it was middle school. And we were at the same school. I was the year above her and we were completely unaware of each other. And then I remember once just observing her, not in a romantic way because I was just a child, but I just remember being captured by this one moment where I I was curious, like, where is she from? You know, what's her background, like her ethnicity? Because she has very dark hair and light skin. And, you know, I completely forgot about that moment. And then my wife and I actually met again when I was finishing university. I think we'd seen each other once on like a night out when we were around 18 years old. And then I met her again properly when we were 20, well, I was 21 years old. And that's the first time we'd actually interacted. And only when we started interacting and started talking to each other, we realised that we went to the same school. And she was like, I can't remember you from school. And I was like, I can't remember you. And we tried to figure out who our teachers were. And she was like, oh, yeah, I was the year below you. And then she showed me a school picture of her in the uniform. And I was just like, oh, my God, I do remember you. But I remember this moment. And it's almost like my my brain fetched that moment where I was observing her. And it was just the strangest thing. So there is that potential that there's someone out there for you. But what I think society has also misled us to believe is that when you meet the one, that everything will be okay, that everything in life will be solved, that we don't actually have to invest our energy in sustaining the relationship, that we don't have to take actions that cultivate the essence of love. And that's certainly what I've learned throughout my journey with Koshal, which I've been with for 14 years now, I'm married for five, is that the work never stops. But although I call it work, I think it's just an honour to have her in my life or to have someone to love. I think it's a truly magical experience. And that's what I kind of wanted to capture in the book. Very much so. I mean, throughout reading this, I was just questioned and challenged to think, no one has ever taught how to love, right? We kind of just expect it's this thing that we can do naturally. And as you highlight, there are so many things that can go wrong. Mm, (laughs) And yet we're never really taught the tools and how to navigate these things. So maybe I'll go through some of the most common things that, you know, you bring up in the book and I'd love for you to expand on them as well, but expectations. I think Mm -hmm. this is something we can all relate to. What are expectations in your opinion and where do you think they can most likely be troublesome for people and block the enhancing of love, let's say? So expectations are natural. All human beings have expectations. And even within relationships, we're going to have some form of expectations. Otherwise, 
we wouldn't be in the relationship to start with. The problem is that we carry a lot of unhealthy expectations into the relationship. A lot of that is to do with our conditioning, that belief that when we find someone, they're going to have the answer to all our problems. A lot of the time we believe that we will find someone and we will be complete. We've actually been taught to search for a better half. And by doing that, we assume that we're not whole. So it's, I'm going to find someone and then feel complete. Unhealthy expectations could be that I expect my partner to make me happy. Or it could be that I expect to own my partner's body. Like, it's about ownership. A healthy expectation could be that if I choose to be with my partner, I choose to be exclusive. Or I expect my partner to show me affection within the relationship. The only issue with expectations is they're the root of suffering. And this is, comes from a lot of Buddhist philosophy, is that when you don't meet expectations, you suffer. Because reality hasn't gone as of course you expected. The less expectations you can carry into the relationship, the more you allow true unconditional love to take root. Mm. The only way we can truly do that is attend to our own needs. It's to stop seeking other people to fill voids within ourselves. Stop seeking people to fill gaps within our self-esteem. And to do that, you have to start loving yourself. You have to stop relying on the other person to deliver love to you so you can feel safe and secure in yourself. Of course, it's a beautiful thing if someone supports your healing journey. But if you do that and you expect your partner to make you happy, you will never let true love rise to the service because true love is full of acceptance, not expectation. If you can only provide love to your partner, if they match your expectations, then that is not true love. It's almost like when people fall in love with someone's potential. You're not loving that person in the present moment. You're loving what that person could be in the future, or potentially you're loving what that person has done in the past. But true love only happens in the present moment. And the present moment is full of acceptance. And I think this is where society goes wrong. I also must clarify that love exists independent of the relationship. The relationship is just the dynamic that you choose to cultivate love with someone that matches your level of awareness. When we go into a relationship with voids, what we're actually likely to do is find someone who perpetuates those fears and insecurities. Now, I'm going to give you an analogy just to describe this. Think of love as water and imagine that we have this wellspring of water available within us at all times. A lot of the time, people are thirsty. And when you're thirsty, you'll go out searching for water. Sometimes someone might offer you poison they might offer you alcohol, they might offer you tea or coffee, <laughs> they might offer you other sources of caffeine. All those things to us look like water. And because we're so thirsty, 
we take those things, realizing actually we don't feel rejuvenated. They don't actually replenish us. Now imagine if you could access that wellspring of the purest water available within yourself. When you do that, you're already full on water. So you can go out into the world and you can share that water with others without expecting anything in return. Sometimes you might come across the same people that offer you poison, alcohol or whatever it is. But because you've accessed that pure water within yourself, you know those things aren't pure water. Those things are other liquids. They just resemble what water looks like. But those things don't actually nourish your being like the pure water does that's available within yourself. And then eventually you might come across someone who doesn't actually want any water from you, but offers you water anyway, because they've Mm. found that wellspring within themselves. Suddenly you find someone that aligns with your level of awareness and you decide this is a good match for me. Because I know that this person's coming from the same place of self-love that I am right now. And this person is good for me in a relationship. And you choose to be in a relationship with that person and cultivate love together based on your own self-love. And that's why self-love is so important in relationships and in particularly healthy relationships. And this reminds me of something that you write that says, often when we are moving into a new relationship, we don't even consider compatibility because we're so desperate to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And this is why if you're thinking of a relationship and you're currently not in a relationship, or even if you are in a relationship, it's good to do some self-exploration, some kind of self-discovery figure out what your preferences are, what you're attracted to. Again, your needs, your wants, your likes, your dislikes. Relationships should be full of acceptance and acceptance is enjoying a person as they are. When you're so desperate for love, you will seek any person that gives you a lot of the time what you think love is and you haven't even considered if you to align, if you to have the same vision, the same values, the same core beliefs, the same dreams, the same ideas. And don't get me wrong, you might not have the same dreams exactly, but it's important that you're both heading in the same direction. Some people discover it too late. I've heard of so many marriages, actually, that have broken down because after five or six years, the couples have discovered that one of them wants a child and the other person doesn't. Those conversations could have been had much earlier in the relationship when they potentially first met. But a lot of the times people don't know them themselves well enough. All they know is that they want love because love is apparently the answer to all our problems. Mm-hmm. It's the be all and end all. And when we operate life in that particular way, we're likely to be disappointed. So this foundation you set before you move into a relationship is extremely important because then and only then can you find someone who's not going to be perfect. No one's ever perfect. And I think the idea of perfection is subjective itself. But only then can you truly find someone 
who is on the right path is is moving alongside you in the same direction and it doesn't matter if they're a few steps behind or you're a few steps behind or vice versa it that doesn't matter the main thing is is that you're both trudging along this path together willing to resolve anything that comes up and willing to evolve because again there's two separate people in the relationship with their own individual minds coming together two people with two individual stories with different beliefs emotional histories conditioning trauma unprocessed emotions coming into a relationship together to create a new story together and you need to know that the co-author of this book is on the same <laughs> <laughs> is on the same path as you and has the same intentions this kind of relates to an idea that I'd never heard of before and I thought it was fascinating when I read it. What are samskaras? Did I say it right? Samskaras, yeah, that's correct. So we can think of it as um, tendencies. So you tend to act, behave, think, and even feel a certain way based on past behaviours. It's almost mm. like the idea of repetition you've repeated something over and over again and it creates this groove that you naturally fall into but the beauty of skamskaras is that because the brain's malleable you can change these patterns of behavior you can reprogram your mind you can rethink in different ways you can respond to your emotions in a different way so you change the trajectory of the path you travel and that really takes self awareness it takes you looking at the way you've behaved your the way your what life's been operating and thinking do i like this do i like what i've been seeing if you've been repeating the same unhealthy relationship dynamics it's really questioning where you've been going wrong what hasn't been working has it been them has it been you has it been a certain behavior has it been a certain choice Yeah. Once you're aware of that particular thing or those particular things, you're then able to choose a new way. And when you choose a new way, you repeat it over and over again and create new neural pathways in your brain and then that becomes your new natural way of being. And suddenly the old conditioning or those samskaras that created a certain tendency have now been almost washed away. and you're now choosing a new way of being and i can kind of testify to that because a lot of the time in the past i used to re react with anger and it's not until i paused and took a step back and looked at my anger and realized that these particular emotions were creating certain outcomes that i didn't want to experience i was able to then choose a different response. I was able to step away and say, okay, those emotions, I get it. They're there, but they don't serve me. Mm. And since then, you know, I've been much calmer, uh, fingers crossed, and you know, I've been able to experience different outcomes and it's all because I've noticed that certain emotions weren't serving me. They almost became a part of who I was. I was almost like the angry kid as a child mm. and I thought, well, I don't want to be the angry adult now. And now that I am an adult, I can choose a different path.
If you're struggling to sleep and in need of something to help your restless nights, I have just the podcast for you. Sleepwave is a podcast from the creators of Sleepiest, a leading sleep and meditation app that has helped over 4 million people fall asleep. Every Monday, you can listen to a brand new transportive meditation, including reassuring sessions such as finding protection from anxiety, which might be just what you need to help you drift off. Listeners have reported unbelievable results from the very first night, and from personal experience, I can tell you I've never made it to the end of an episode. So if you want to wake up feeling rested, rejuvenated, and full of energy, Sleepwave is the best place to start. Available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also listen free on the Sleepiest app. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I guess we potentially touched upon this, but what is the difference between attachment and love? And how can we get confused between the two? I want to start with love. Because love, I think, gets a bit of a bad rep. A lot of the time we've been heartbroken because of love. Mm. We've been hurt because of love. You know, experienced severe pain because of love. But a lot of the time, that wasn't love. That was expectations that was demands Mm. that was attachments Mm. love in its purest form doesn't seek anything in return think of love as this pure autonomous energy that's available everywhere everywhere you look around you love's there everything's an expression of love but even within you love's always present now let's just think of love and how you experience it when you receive love from a person, a thing. Say, for example, you win the lottery and you've got the winning lottery ticket in in your hand. Or say someone gives you your dream car, a Lamborghini, for example. Love isn't coming from the object of desire. The object of desire is evoking love within yourself. So that love must then exist within you. The object of desire, again, is evoking the feeling of love within yourself. That feeling of love is always present within you. It's just finding that match that continues to help you return to yourself, return to your heart, return to that state of awareness, which is love. And that's what I think a lot of people struggle with. When you share love in its highest form, 
you are sharing not because you're expecting something in return. As soon as you expect something in return, that then becomes a trade. It's based on expectation. I will give you this love if you give me something in return. And I think a lot of the time we've been taught conditional love. For example, with caregivers, you might have been shown love only if you performed well in school or if you achieved a certain merit. And that has taught us that love can only come if we act or behave in a certain way. But love loves for love's sake. There's no true rules to love. Love is this boundless energy you share because you want to, because you've nurtured it within yourself and because you want to give it out to the world. With attachment, attachment is based on fear. So it's almost like the polar opposite of love. Attachments, this clinging to people. And you always see it in codependent relationships where you merge with someone and you lose your sense of identity and you almost beg someone for love. You almost beg someone to be present in your life. It's almost like I need you. I want you. I can't live without you. And that is heavily based in expectation. It's based Mm -hmm. in fear. Whereas love doesn't have any expectations. It doesn't seek something in return. It gives because it wants to. It gives because it cares. Attachments can feel like ownership. It can feel like care. But at the same time, it can feel like it's crushing you. Whereas love gives a feeling of liberation. And that's the key difference between the two. That's so beautiful. Love gives a feeling of liberation. And I do think that you really compassionately express how difficult it can be to be in unconditional love because obviously we're human and fears sprout forth and our own, I think you talk about emotional hoarding. Mm -hmm. You know, to some degree, we're all emotional hoarders that can be sometimes a bit of a blockage to love and you go into blockages but what do you think the most common blocks you recognize and witness in relationships or just in you know people in general whether they're in a relationship or not the most common blocks that I see in relationships is that a lot of the time people don't feel worthy of love they have this Mm. limiting belief that they don't deserve the love and It stems from previous heartbreak. Maybe they weren't given the love that they need, the love that they deserve. And that's created this belief in themselves that no one will ever want to give them that love. And they've almost convinced themselves that something's wrong with them. A lot of the times the way humans behave is that we take other people's actions and a lot other people's treatment as a reflection of us and our identity. So if someone doesn't treat us well, we think that that exposes something that's lacking within ourselves. And then suddenly our identity becomes formed on this sense of lack that I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad girlfriend or boyfriend or I wasn't good enough and I never will be. And if you think about it, the person that gets in the way the most of love 
is ourselves because of these previous experiences. And we hold on to these emotions, these experiences, these thoughts and these ideas. And we don't let true love to take root in our hearts. We block people out. We block ourselves out. We don't give love out because we think that someone will then weaponize it. They'll use it against us or they'll run off and, you know, leave us behind. And unfortunately, we view the present and act on the present using the lens of the past. And that limits our experience now within relationships. So in the book, I talk about trying to do the healing and trying to move into relationships with a whole heart. Love is never wrong. If you share love with someone and they don't return it, that's okay because true love shouldn't come with expectations. But if you love someone and they don't appreciate it, or if you love someone and they use it against you somehow, that's not a reflection of you. Think about how brave in this modern society it is to just love people. Yeah. The world can be so cruel. It can be so cold. So to love people, despite of that cruelty, that coldness, that almost hollowness that we experience in, in the world, is a superpower. And I actually believe that love can change people. And I'm not saying it's your responsibility to change people because it's never your responsibility to change people. People will never change unless they want to change for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what I also believe is that that unconditional love can help people return home to their own hearts and realize that actually I want to do better for myself. I want to share love in the same way it was shown to me. And I've experienced that within my own relationship and marriage with my wife. I was very troubled as <laughs> as a child. I, you know, I, I grew up homeless. Uh, well, I was. I had three years where I experienced homelessness, violence, racism, poverty, and I went through a series of heartbreaks and pain. And I was conditioned in a way where I was. I felt cold towards the world. I was scared to open up because I thought the moment I did, someone might use it against me or it'd be embarrassing. And then I'd had these ideas of toxic masculinity and what it meant to be a man. Mm. And it was my wife's unconditional love, her vulnerability, which kind of invited me. in. She created this space within the relationship that felt safe and secure. I think she encouraged this warmth, this love, and that helped me return to my own love, which then I shared with her. And suddenly we're cultivating this love together. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. And, you know, that word vulnerability, you have a whole chapter on it. It's one of those words that we're hearing more and more. And yet sometimes I think the actual meaning of it we can kind of forget. So what are your thoughts on, especially for those that are listening that have been conditioned to be so unvulnerable? And I get it, like once we're in survival mode, which sometimes we've got to be because life can throw real spanners. What is your advice, even in practical terms as well, to move into a more vulnerable space, especially if you want to be vulnerable and maybe your partner or the person, whether it's a family member or the person you're in a relationship with, is very unvulnerable. So vulnerability is essentially allowing yourself 
to be seen and trusting the other person not to hurt you. Within my own relationship, I found vulnerability extremely hard because when you're vulnerable, you feel like you could potentially be judged, that someone might not love you for who you actually are. There's things that we've suppressed. There's these thoughts, these emotions, experiences that we're scared to open up about. And because we're scared to open up about them, people often never really see us for who we actually are. They see us for what we want them to see us for. So it's almost like this mask that we're putting up. It's almost like this is the good version of me that I know society will accept. So this is the version I'm going to sell to you and hope you fall in love with that version. But actually, do they love us for who we are as the whole human being? You know, the light and the dark, because that exists within every single person. And vulnerability is difficult. But what I would say with vulnerability, it's not about oversharing. Vulnerability also has boundaries. But at the same time, vulnerability really creates a bridge of understanding in our humanness between two individuals. When I see my wife opening up and telling me things that she trusts me to not use against her, I then feel safety in the relationship and security. It then inspires me to be vulnerable with her and share how I feel. When you share something with someone and instead of hurting you, They open up their arms and invite you in. You know that you've got a good egg. You know you can trust that particular person. So if you're in this place within your relationship where you want to be more vulnerable and you don't know how, the best thing or advice I could give you is start with something small. It doesn't have to be something so deep and terrifying. Start with something small that you haven't shared with other people. It could just be a fear that you have. It could be a fear of roller coasters, for example. It doesn't have to be, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of dying tomorrow. Like that could be quite big and overwhelming, but it could be just something very, very small and see how they respond to that. Do they hold space for you? Are they listen actively without judging you? Are they inviting compassion? If they do, you know that you can trust them with more. Vulnerability, though, is so important in a relationship Because vulnerability creates intimacy, emotional intimacy. And that really creates that feeling of closeness. When you feel close to someone, it's because you've seen the light in them and the dark in them, and you accept them for who they are. And that's why vulnerability is so key if you want to create closeness within your relationships. And this brings me nicely to the 10 rules that you share in the book. And these rules are great. So I'd love to go through some of them. And why did you want to create 10 rules of love? First of all, I just want to make a very clear distinction that love and again, love and relationships, love exists independent of relationships. So love can be experienced with every single person in the whole world. You can have unconditional love for a pet, for a child, for your parents, for a stranger even, depending on how much access you have of it within yourself. But that doesn't mean you should be in a relationship with every single person. And that's why things like chemistry and compatibility and all those other things are important. 
But a relationship requires rules because the rules help you cultivate more love and it just makes sure that you're both aligned together. When I came up with 10 rules, it wasn't so much that I was trying to think of a particular number. It was more so me going through like, right, there's going to be so many rules, but how do I break it down to a particular number of rules that will really help people navigate their own relationships? And it turned out to be 10. And although I won't go through all 10, the first or second rule people are going to hear this and they're going to probably start laughing is to do the dishes and (laughs) when people hear that they're like why are dishes so important and this is why it's never about the dishes a lot of relationship conflict happens because of chores for example like one person hasn't pulled their weight in their relationship and I was listening to a series of therapy tapes and I was surprised about the amount of people that get triggered by, say, a dirty house or unclean dishes that happen to be in the sink. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, why is it the dishes that is setting so many people off? And then I thought back to my own relationship. And I remember sometimes my wife saying, oh, you need to do the dishes and you haven't done them yet or vice versa. And it's because when you show that neglect in the dishes, you almost show that neglect to your partner. There's a request Mm. from your partner to do the dishes or that you've agreed to a particular chore list and you haven't pulled your weight. And that almost shows that you don't care. You don't care about this relationship. In the relationship, there's you, your partner, and the relationship itself. And think of the relationship as your garden. To show that you're very much invested in your relationship, you have to tend to your garden. It might mean you know, you water the plants or the flowers within your garden. Now, if you're not flowering those plants in your garden, then you're showing your partner that you don't care about the relationship. But you're also unconsciously telling your partner that you don't care about them. And that's why it's those small little things, finding out what they actually reveal about where you may be coming up short or your partner may be coming up short. And um, I know there's so many rules and we're probably short of time. Well, there's (laughs) one which I think is really important to talk about, which is never compare. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's a great question. I think comparison, is it comparison is the thief of happiness or something like that, right? It's it's a a well-known quote. But if you look at social media as well, a lot of the times we're observing social media feeds, we're comparing our life against other people's and then suddenly we're sad because we don't have what that person had or we've not reached the same amount of success as the other person have. And if you realise that that comparison doesn't actually bring up any joy ever, it only makes us feel sadder. But what a lot of people do in relationships is that they compare their partner or their present relationship to a relationship in the past. Mm. And just imagine if someone did that to you. You have to remember that no two relationships are ever going to be the same because no two relationships feature the same person. We've all been raised differently. We've been exposed to different environments. 
we've been led to believe different things. We have individual personalities and traits. We have our individual preferences, likes, dislikes, and so forth, different values. To then compare your partner to something or someone in the past is unfair because you're referencing something that no longer exists in your life, someone that isn't a part of your life. And you're telling your partner that maybe they're not good enough or they're not worthy of your love because of something that's happened in the past. So while it can be tempting to compare your partner to something that you've experienced in the past or that you've had in the past, it's extremely unfair to do that. It's not necessarily that, oh, Jason or Kate used to do this for me and you don't. Sometimes it's something a little bit more subtle. And I've given the example in the book. But say, for example, your ex-partner was a raging alcoholic and your new partner likes to have a drink or two. It's unfair to assume that you are now with someone who's exactly the same as your ex-partner. Just because that person... Mm likes to have a drink or two it doesn't mean that that person is a raging alcoholic and a lot of those a lot of the times those things that we project onto our current partner is our insecurities and our and our fears and they actually reveal where we may need to heal within ourselves so the relationship can be stronger beautiful really really so much food for thought towards the end of the book we start to explore the importance sometimes for relationships to end what do you advise people to consider when thinking about ending a relationship or returning to old relationships so when I was writing this point in the book I was telling myself I don't want to tell people when to leave or when to stay because That decision is ultimately up to them. Like, I get so many DMs on Instagram and someone will say, like, oh, Brad's treating me like this. Like, (laughs) should I leave Brad? And I'm like, I don't know Brad and I just don't know the context of your relationship. Like, there's so many factors to consider. And so the reason I wrote the book and the way I've approached it is I want to build self-trust within people. And I think... Mm. That goes for every single person is when you're considering leaving or staying, make your decision from a place of self-trust. And the only way you can have that self-trust is if you are healing, if you are truly Mm. understanding and getting to know yourself. Just to give you some kind of example or context, someone with low self-worth might hang on to a relationship where someone's offering breadcrumbs. So they're offering the bare minimal to keep that person believing that they're in love, basically. And they'll give those kind of breadcrumbs when you deserve the whole cake. And then they'll kind of just withdraw. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, that person doesn't love me. And you offer the breadcrumbs again. And then you're like, actually, they do love me. Let's just call this person Brad because <laughs> we've mentioned Brad. But Brad does really love me because they're offering me so-and-so. And when you have a low sense of self-worth, I think you'd accept that and think that's completely okay. Mm. But when you have a high sense of self-worth, and this comes from a lot of the healing, maybe healing limiting beliefs, mm. you start to realize that actually in this relationship, I'm giving you so much And that isn't being reciprocated. Mm. You're giving me the bare minimal 
to keep hold of me because you know that when I love you, I love you with my whole heart. And you know that I'm kind, that I'm selfless, that I will give you those second chances. But now there's this discord. We're misaligned. You are not investing the same energy and effort into the relationship I am. And therefore, this relationship is no longer right for me. And because you've returned to your healing and you've returned to your heart, you will recognize that and you will be confident enough or have the courage to step away from Brad, knowing that he wasn't operating from the same level of awareness. And so it's really about working on yourself, finding out who you are, what you need in the relationship and what you're bringing to the relationship. And that will help you realize if you need to stay in the relationship and, and make it work or if you need to step away. I must also say a lot of people get confused between someone not really just pulling their weight and abuse. If you're experiencing any kind of abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, that is a conscious choice that a person is making to hurt you. And you should never stay in the relationship if that's what you're experiencing. And please do reach out to someone, whether it's a charity or friend, to seek support. Because abuse and someone just not committing to the relationship is completely different. Why is love a verb? I don't know if you know any serial daters. But what I've learned about serial daters is they like the challenge that comes with dating. So they're like trying to get the person. And when they get the person, they like enjoying the emotional high that they experience with that person. But once that emotional high dissipates, they think love's gone. And they're like, oh, well, love love doesn't exist anymore. So I'm going to move on to the next person. And they'll go out and they'll date someone else. They'll be like, oh, my God, I'm falling in love with this person. I think this person must be the one for me. And they experience the emotional high and it feels all good. There's all the butterflies, everything's tingling. There's all these sensations. And then suddenly the emotions dissipate because human beings aren't made to live in a heightened state. And this happens in a lot of long-term relationships is that people experience this high of falling in love as such. And then the emotions subside. And a true reflection of love is what is left of love when those emotions aren't there. Um, The only thing that's left of love or that we can experience love as in a tangible way is, is the actions that cultivate the essence of love. So when those emotions aren't there, how are we showing our partner what love is? And the only way we can do that is through the actions. So for example, you may argue with your partner, and that's completely normal, by the way, you might experience some kind of conflict. And your partner doesn't want to talk to you in that moment because they're feeling sad. So they run up to their room, close the door and say, I just need some time to myself. How do you show love in that moment? Someone might then go up, stand by the door and say to their partner, look, I know you're upset. I'm so sorry if I've hurt your feelings. I'm here for you and I'm ready to talk to you whenever you're ready. And that is enough because in that moment, you're cultivating that essence of love, that essence of togetherness. Although right now we feel separated, I'm showing you that we're still together in this. And that's why love is a verb. It requires actions 
that replenish the essence of love all the time. So how do you show love to your partner in the way that they will know they are loved? My heart just breaks. This is just so, it just like, just fills you with like tingles because it's just so true. My last question before I let you go is how do you unwind? So for those who haven't read my book, and if you're planning to read my book, fantastic. And thank you so much. But my book's dedicated to my pet dog, who has the coolest name around. Two back, <laughs> and he's a toy poodle, <laughs> and he's the softest soul. And the way I unwind, so there's two ways. I use, I sometimes I meditate, but more kind of simply, I just I pet my dog. It's the best way for me. He is full of unconditional love, and I think I'm speaking to a lot of people that have pets here, especially dogs, that they love you regardless of who you are, what you look like, what you've done. They will never hold a grudge. And in a time of need, if you're shattered or you've had a bad day, they just come and comfort you. It's almost like their whole purpose in life is to make you happy. And it's just such a beautiful thing. So my way of unwinding is to just sit with my dog and just experience this transfer of unconditional love, this energetic exchange that I'm having. Vex, I cannot thank you enough for this interview. Everything that you've said has honestly stunned every cell in my body. And as I mentioned at the beginning. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hands down, this is probably one of the my most favorite books I've ever read in my life. And I'm so excited about this being in the world. So thank you for being here. And we'll put links to your book in the show notes so everybody can get it but is there any last comments you'd like to leave with people to always i think prioritize yourself Uh, the core message of the book is that the the healthiest relationships are built once you build a healthy relationship with yourself and although that might sound kind of cliche or trendy i truly believe in it within my own relationship and with my kind of wife's relationship with herself Honestly, us attending to ourselves has strengthened our relationship. And so I'm a, I'm a big advocate of that message is that really attend to yourself. Um, like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup and it, it goes, never stop forgetting yourself. And if you ever forget what self-love really means, it's just remembering yourself in every single thing that you do. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today, please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much. I'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so. My mental health book, Happy Not Perfect, is available to order now. The book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker, a skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. 
Until next time, I love hearing from you. So do shoot me a message on Instagram, send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well.